He kept a shop in London town, of fancy clients and good renown. And what if none of their souls were saved? They went to their maker impeccably shaved. Hello, and welcome back to History Obscura. I am your host, Mandy Gardner, and in honor of International Cat Day, the ghost of Frank and Tito says he has a message for you. Just whisper it in my ear and I'll tell the nice listeners. He says he demands a sacrifice. Wow. Will the can of tuna do? Oh, good. I expect some roasted chicken should also do the trick. In fact, a cup of tea via our buy-me-a-coffee link would do quite well for both of us. Once upon a time, some 800,000 years ago, a group of early human ancestors lived in a cave now called the Grandolina in modern Spain. Before their discovery, more than a hundred human bones remained in that cave, alongside the bones of their prey. It's called La Cima de los Huesos, that's the Pit of Bones, and it contained fossilized bones from bison, deer, and wild sheep, alongside about 11 humans. The bones of the prey species contain telltale cut and impact marks from stone tools used to prepare the corpses for meals. Among those corpses, clearly scraped of their flesh by human tools, were other humans. Our relatives were very much guilty of casual cannibalism. Cuts and strikes on the temporal bone at the base of the skulls indicates decapitation, which likely preceded the cutting of the human skull for extracting the brain. As we here at History Obscura already know, brains make a very good meal. A little to the west, England's Cheddar Gorge contains a cave also filled with human bones and skulls, these ones about 15,000 years old. The bones here suggest ongoing human cannibalism throughout our evolution. The people in these caves not only ate one another, but used human skulls as drinking vessels. The evidence for regular cannibalism in early humans and throughout our species' history is quite strong. Whether eaten for ritualistic purposes, as with the Fijians, or as a regular nourishment, as with many South American tribes, people have eaten people potentially for as long as we have existed. In fact, the mere eating of humans by other humans pales in comparison to some more recent styles of cannibalism. Take, for example, the penchant for human blood and bones exhibited by the Georgian Brits. They believed these and other organs made for powerful healing medicines, and people would crowd around the executioner's block to capture a few drops of blood as they flew from the victim's severed neck. Still others gleefully ground the cranium of the deceased 
into powders that would be consumed in order to relieve headache pains. If we step forward through time once more, just a little, we meet a troubled orphan, Todd, struggling to survive on the streets of mid-18th century London. Still a child when his parents died, this boy became an apprentice to a cutler, that is, a man who worked with razors. The boy learned as he worked, and though he was jailed two years later for theft, he had obtained a professional working knowledge of razors and how to apply them to human skin and hair. Todd spent his sentence at Newgate Prison, an infamous institution that functioned as such for 700 years. The likes of Daniel Defoe, author of Robinson Crusoe, was held at Newgate Prison in 1703 for seditious libel. Oscar Wilde would be held there in 1895 for his confident homosexuality. It was at Newgate that Todd expanded his knowledge of razors by working as the soap boy to the prison barber. At age 19, Todd emerged from prison a bitter and uncaring young man. He used his existing skills to earn money as a flying barber, that is, a barber with no fixed address. Eventually, he secured a premises on Fleet Street and advertised, Easy shaving for a penny, as good as you will find any. As a barber, he was responsible not only for shaving his patrons, but bloodletting and pulling teeth. London's Daily Courant, published on the 14th of April, 1785, reported a gruesome murder in the vicinity of Todd's shop in which the victim had been slashed across the throat with a razor blade. Further, similar murders were evidenced by the discovery of multiple bodies in the tunnel's underground Fleet Street. It was at this time that Todd partnered with one Mrs. Lovett, a baker in nearby Bell Yard. Todd murdered patron after patron, sometimes shaving his customers and sometimes murdering them and taking their money. To cut down on the build-up of his victims' bodies, Todd butchered them and used the muscle tissue, heart, liver, and kidneys to supply Mrs. Lovett's ingredient list for her meat pies. Bones and heads were piled in the Weston family vault beneath a local church, later to be discovered by unfortunate detectives, tipped off by churchgoers upset by the stench of rotting flesh. The gossip was, multiple seamen had stopped for a shave and gone missing. The stories and the body parts led London's police straight to Todd's barbershop. He and the pie maker were placed under arrest. The unholy pie maker confessed everything to police when she was taken into jail. She committed suicide in prison. As for Todd, he was given a trial in 1801 and stood accused of only one murder, which was all the police could manage to convincingly scrape together. It was that of Francis Thornhill, a man who had stopped for a shave on his way to deliver a priceless string of 16,000 pearls. 
A pawnbroker's clerk gave evidence that the pearls were later pawned by Todd, and the prosecution described how his house was found crammed with property and clothing sufficient for 160 people. Sweeney Todd was found guilty and hanged for murder in London in 1802. His story, pieced together through contemporary newspaper accounts, became the basis for several penny dreadfuls, and then novels, and then moved onto stage and eventually film. Sweeney Todd, the demon barber of Fleet Street, has lost his true name to history, but his legacy lives vibrantly on. Indeed, even Charles Dickens mentioned in his works such cannibalistic pastry. In 1844, Dickens published his book Martin Chuzzlewit, in which the character Thomas Pinch worries that John Westlock will begin to be afraid that I have strayed into one of those streets where the countrymen are murdered and that I have been made into meat pies or some such horrible thing. for listening. Please support the podcast by sharing episode links, liking us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and giving us a nice review if your podcast app allows. You can also donate a dollar to the show at buymeacoffee.com or patreon.com forward slash history obscura. Good night. (music) 